All right. G'day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. It's our uh, lovely Friday wrap segment, as always, which is the time that I enjoy the most with my colleagues, co-hosts, whatever you call them, partners in crime <laughs> and partners now is an S. <laughs> um, but speaking of partners, we've only got one um, today, which is John. John's, uh, John's very kindly to stick with me. Otherwise, it will be a one-man band flying today. And that's not going to be fun. <laughs> Couldn't leave you hanging there, Dave. Yeah, I know, mate. You always got my back, which is good. <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah. Likewise, mate. Likewise. How have you been? How's your world doing? Oh, I've been well. I've been well. Uh, you know, quite busy at the moment. But um, I have been, and I'm not. I'm not proud of. I'm not proud of this. But I have been obsessed with the Will Smith slap of Chris Rock <laughs> over the week. As I just can't anything. Any YouTube. I've just when I say busy, I've just been watching YouTube all week and having people give their opinions on that. So uh, uh, busy, but unproductive, uh, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, super interesting. What? Let, let's break the ice. What, what did you think of the Will Smith smack? Are you a uh, with Will or with uh, Chris on this one? I saw I saw a funny analysis on that actually because it depends on whether you're looking at it from an Eastern culture or Western culture mm. type of perspective. The Eastern culture type of perspective goes, "Give you doing the right thing, mate. He's protecting his wife, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff, right? Being a man." Mm. The Western culture is like, "Well, they're on an open relationship, so what the hell are you doing, Will?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was very very interesting when you look at that from it's a bipolar perspective, right? Um, and you know, me able to read Chinese and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's interesting to, and mm. it's fascinating <laughs> to be able to see both sides of the story. Um, look, personally, I think he's probably a bit overreacted, um, in honesty. Um, but then again, you know, I haven't, I haven't dig enough deep enough to be able to comment too much. So maybe I'll leave that to you to be able to do that deep dive analysis. <laughs> uh, look, I, I mean, I, I think he did the wrong thing as well. I never really considered, and um, I was talking to the East versus West perspective. I never really considered that. Um, I was speaking to some. Uh, guys the other day that, that it was a group of Americans and Englishmen and, and they were sort of saying that there was a a bit of a cultural aspect there and that the Americans are into roasting. I, I, I didn't, I, I think I didn't really see that, but I, I think the East versus West concept is interesting because the Westerners are very much um, are all about the freedom of speech and the, 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 the sword or the pen is the alternative to the sword. Yeah. So you, you have free speech so that you don't need to be physically violent. Like at least that's the concept. It's not always true because there's a lot of violence in Western cultures actually, well, but um, he, he, he demonstrated both the, <laughs> the actual physical culture as well as the verbal culture yeah. <laughs> in this instance. Right. <laughs> but I, I actually didn't, Everyone's saying, oh, you know, came out and, you know, uh, he was ableist at uh, alopecia. Like, <laughs> what? I thought it was the mildest joke. Everyone says it was really a terrible joke. It, was, it wasn't that funny, but it wasn't bad. I can't believe that we're getting, um, uh, that he got upset about that. It was a pretty bad joke, but not that offensive. And also alopecia is not that bad. I mean, like, mm. it's not leukemia. I know that sounds terrible, but. Uh, it's. Uh, I wouldn't like to suffer it myself, I suppose. But uh, I, yeah, I thought it was. A, thought it was an overreaction, and I, I kind of line up with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey came out and said that it was really bad, you know, really really bad, and he yeah. shouldn't have done it. And you know, uh, yeah, you're just supposed to sit there and take that sort of stuff uh, if you're in the crowd and there's a comedian. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it is. A, it is a challenging stance, especially with. I think that's that's just part of Oscar's routine, right? Like. The, mm. the actual comedian would make fun of those people in the front rows. I think that's always been the yeah. tradition in that, in that instance. Um, but then again, you know, like when I, when I thought about making jokes on the, on, on the fact that 
it's it's not fun for those people who you know when, when it gets too serious like these type of things you know there's certain things certain jokes that you would make when it's when it's fun for everyone mm. but when it, when you're kind of stamping on someone else's and putting salt on their wounds that's kind of different uh to a, to a level yeah. you know so that's a good point the only thing i'd say is like will and jada smith are like they're they're hollywood royalty like these are yeah. the most privileged the, the privileged uh sort of elite wealthy people on the planet these are guys who who got there you know arrived there in their private jets and then uh and got driven there in their limos and and so th- this is this is a whole new world that i that i don't recognize and it, f- for them to be ushered into the victim chair kind of i don't, I don't know don't like that <laughs> Well, there you go. Now soon, this is going to be an entertainment podcast, right? <laughs> That's right. That's, That's right. going to jump back in. Otherwise, we're going to lose about 90% of our Spark Your Fire listeners yeah. very, very soon before Jazz comes back in with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, uh, look, I think this week is all about property data, um, I guess. So, you know, that's, uh, that's jumping because I think the end of the month or start of the month is when all the property data gets released. Um, and that's where the, that's where the interesting fun parts um, starts because, you know, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to do a bit of analysis to say, look, what's been happening around property? What is, what are these numbers and indicators are telling us uh, in terms of the trend and uh, what are property investors should be mindful of and how do they, how do we, how shall we interpret these data as a bit of from the lagging indicator? What can we extrapolate out of um, as forward indicators? So um, first of all, I guess that's, uh, let's have a look at the, the actual um, monthly quarterly data that I think uh, John, you've, you've actually, you've actually very kindly posted the Australian house price heat map, which is up to 27th of March, 2022. That shows and indication of pretty much Sydney and Melbourne at a 0% or even just a 0.1% month uh, decline. So it's a slight decline, or I should say probably just hold steady in that instance. Um, but at the same time, I can see this also being a bit of slowdown on the Brisbane Gold Coast and the Adelaide and the Perth market. Uh, and we're talking about a monthly increase of about 2%, 1.9% for Brisbane and Gold Coast, about 1.7% for Adelaide, and also about 1.7% for Perth. So, you know, and you can see, I think, you know, looking at the month today and also looking at last month, um, you know, we're certainly not seeing some crazy numbers at the moment around, around the capital cities. Uh, but instead, Sydney and Melbourne's already already had that had that boom, um, and I, I think it's quite safe to say that John, you've made the prediction last year that that was the turning point, um, or earlier this year, and um, yeah, it, it's it's now it's now starting to keep flat, and uh, we're mm. not going to see that type of crazy growth anymore. But are we going to be able to continue seeing these type of two percent, one to two percent type of increases for Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth? I wonder. Yeah, good, good question. I mean, you, you're right that sort of overall it's pretty flat with you've got the big markets in Sydney and Melbourne ever so slightly down, uh, as in like a f- less than half a percent, a fraction of a percent. Uh, and you've got Adelaide and Brisbane tearing ahead. Uh, so, you know, and, and Sydney and, and, say, Perth are performing about the same. Actually, Perth seems to be doing a bit better. Um Will it continue? Look, I don't. I don't know the Brisbane market that well, but I know that there's a lot of catch up happening. Um, I've never been so. I, 
I don't I don't see it. I don't see that Brisbane can keep doing what it's doing without then being where Perth was 15 years ago. Remember when Perth was uh, as expensive as Sydney and and um, it, because of the certain time and the commodity cycle that we were at, and then eventually Perth had to go sideways for a period of time to let the other markets pass it again. I feel like Brisbane's certainly not there yet, so there's there's more growth in Brisbane. I, I would think, uh, but I, I think it's going to have to start slowing down. I'm actually really encouraged to see Sydney uh, flatten out. Um, it's not really coming down. It's just flattening out. I think that that's really healthy. S- Sydney's a, like a stable market in terms of, uh, in terms of least prone to wild swings. So it has, it doesn't really crash and it doesn't boom. Last year was a bit unusual that it went up by by so much because Sydney doesn't do that. Um, so Sydney has like the steady growth. So it's good to see that it's not necessarily correcting. It's just sort of flattening out. Um, my view is that I always thought that that Sydney would be like uh, like me after a big meal. So 2021 was like having a big meal and the patient has to sit back and unbuckle the belt for, for a, a little while. So I think that Q1, maybe even Q2 will be flat. Um, and I think that there'll be some growth in the second half of the year, actually. I think it's just getting digested. I think it's going to, I think the market's going to absorb um, a couple of rate rises in its stride. Obviously, there is a limit to the extent to which you can absorb the, the rate rises, but I think it can absorb a couple without yep. any problems. Um, this is Brisbane's last good year, I think. I, I can't see it continuing to do what it's doing. It's, it grew by, you know, 2% in a month. I mean, that's staggering. That's another 24% this year. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 th- I think whereas Sydney might pick up in the second half, I think Brisbane would would need to slow down. And if you're a Brisbane investor, you, you welcome that because what you don't want are crashes. You, you just want that sort of uh, levelling off. Um, and flattening out. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think Sydney um, to, to, to continue to go sideways, maybe pick up in the second half. Melbourne's looking a bit undervalued, interestingly. So Melbourne, Melbourne hasn't, um, you know, Melbourne was always vying with Sydney for like that sort of premier spot. And in the, the last 18 months just haven't been good to Melbourne. It's been growing, but it hasn't been doing much. So it's starting to look cheap. Now, I'm not an investor in, in Melbourne. Uh, I'm a Sydney guy, but but just from from a distance, it's starting to look quite interesting there. Mm-hmm. And Brisbane and Melbourne are very similar in terms of median price. Um, Adelaide looking, you know, Adelaide looking uh, expensive, but, but uh, I don't know that market too well, but it, it's gone up by 26% in the last 12 months. Uh, and what continues to surprise me, there are two things that surprise me in the numbers. It's one is that, Perth still isn't doing that much. Like it doesn't doesn't line up to the anecdotes. Uh, Perth, I think the market is actually much hotter than the, the data suggests. Uh, so it's interesting to see the numbers. You know, then they're okay, but they're they're not setting the wall on fire. I don't think that's really what's happening in Perth. Um, so there might be an opportunity there to 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 pick up some some reasonable deals. So that's the first thing that surprises me. And the second thing is that. Um, the capital cities aren't doing that great. Um, if you can look at the combined capitals, they did 0.3 of a percent in um, in the month, and all of that is Brisbane and Adelaide. Hmm. Everywhere else is flat to flat, flat to down, really. Um, the regionals are up quite a lot. So when you look at the national averages, it's still all about the regional areas. So regional areas are up 1.7 percent for the month and 5 percent for the quarter. 
So while the capitals are flat to slightly higher, the the regionals are doing really, really well. I'm surprised to see that. I thought that would be a a trend that started to peter out as the lockdowns ended, and yep. and we're we're you know well past lockdowns now. So I'm surprised to see that still as the prevailing trend. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, no, interesting observations. I, I particularly want to elaborate a bit more about Perth. I think mm. I'm in agreement with you in that, that uh, I, you know, I'm not too sure how accurate the data that we're seeing at the moment about Perth being reported is, is whether that's a true reflection on the ground or not. But certainly, you know, a lot of my clients are now buying up in Perth uh, and uh, to, yeah. to a degree where, you know, I see the fact that the type of um, the type of value that you can get at Perth at the moment is somewhat similar to Brisbane, maybe about 24 months ago. Mm. Before the yeah, so you know you can still you can still get a property maybe around 400, 500k, and the rent is stellar. The rent is stellar there. You can get five percent type of gross rental return, and we're not talking about very very far from Perth CBD here, um, right? Mm. So you know it's a, it's a it's a tale of both the capital growth is increasing as well as the rental. Um, it is also increasing at the same time. And now, you know, we, we spoke a lot about commodities and how Perth being a uh, mining and commodity market is probably going to benefit significantly in the next 12 to 24 months um, due to the commodity crises that we're seeing at the moment. So, yeah, I reckon Perth is, uh, Perth is probably a, a market that at the moment a lot of people are starting to realise that there's a lot of value um, to be able to get in there, yeah, yeah. and 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 it's a and it's a clear shift. Just looking at the you know the number of properties that's coming across my desk now, which is actually Perth deals instead of Brisbane deals, where say twelve months ago there isn't that many. So it's starting to turn. It's starting to turn. Um, is is what I'm trying to say. People yeah. are starting to find less and less value in Brisbane um, slash Adelaide because they've already had a really good run. Whereas for Perth investors are able to find more value now uh, in, in, in that market. And, you know, logically speaking, that's why investors are always there to seek value. So, you know, they would naturally go to the market, which they can find the most value mm. out of. So, yeah. So I think that that is interesting. And if you look at, and that corresponds to the, to the data that we're looking at here as well, because if you look at Brisbane, right, like it's grown, um, it, it's grown the last 12 months. There's a 30% increase yeah. in terms of its price. Not to say, you know, there's probably still a bit of room to imp- to still further improve, but um, how much more, we're not too sure, right? As, as you said, we don't know. Same thing with Adelaide, 26.4% uh, in terms of the last 12 months. Those are stellar numbers uh, mm. if you look at it, um, right? So, yeah. So I think, you know, overall, um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I do think that um, Brisbane and Adelaide, they're not going to go crazy. I reckon, you know, single-digit type of growth would be would be reasonable this year. Um, I am curious, though, John, that you mentioned, you said Sydney market potentially have another leg up later this year. I'm wondering what would the catalyst be? Uh, so I, I, think that, I think that there are two reasons. One is uh, the reason that everyone's talking about, and that is that immigration starting up again mm-hmm. and, you know, apartments are going to start filling up and... Um, uh, we just need that process that takes a little bit of time, but essentially immigration and population growth is the first thing. Um, the second reason is a little bit more abstract, but the other reason is is that once you when you have a big increase in price, this sort of comes back to this unbuckling the belt and just letting it digest for a bit. The market gets used to prices at that level, and the perception that we have 
uh, initially that prices are crazy and prices are ridiculous, all that sort of stuff. That goes away over time because people get used to the prices. Um, so I think that once we digest, intellectually digest that that's what it costs to buy a house in Sydney, then you can go off into the next leg of the of the upswing. Um, I'm also conscious that, you know, Sydney property fell by about 18% in 2018, uh, and that wasn't that long ago. So if you look at, say, 10-year averages for Sydney, while we had a lot of growth in, very recently, the 10-year numbers for Sydney aren't that great. I think overall dwelling prices are up by 6% or something on average for 12 months. So, you know, like a lot of that's been in the last 12 months or 18 months, um, but but because there have been so many poor years in the last, within the last ten years, you know, um, eight, 2018 and 19 were bad. Then 2020 was the first uh, year of um, of COVID. We went sideways. You know, the last ten years haven't been great for real estate in Sydney, except for the last year. So I think there's still some growth there as well. Okay, so catching up basically, yeah. isn't it, in terms of its median and average returns. Yeah, essentially. Okay. One other interesting thing about medians and where the cities sit in the in the pecking order, Canberra. Canberra is a, a, nearly $150,000 more expensive mm. than Melbourne, back to Melbourne potentially showing some value here. So Canberra hasn't stopped growing. It did 1% growth in the month of March, and it's done... Um, three and a half percent in the quarter so it's looking at about 12 percent growth for the year that's that's really high it's also the the median price in canberra is about nine hundred and thirty thousand, compared to eight hundred thousand for for melbourne so it's 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 more expensive than than melbourne it's the second most expensive suburb uh city after sydney and you, you know land isn't exactly scarce in the act so i wonder if I wonder if um, there are sort of overvalued pockets within Australia, and I wonder if m- maybe my read of this, not knowing those markets too well, maybe Canberra and Adelaide are, are on the expensive side. I don't know them that well, but um, that's that's what I read. Yeah. No, Canberra had a really strong run. I think it's definitely one of those cities that gets overlooked uh, most of the time. Mm. But, yeah, it is becoming one of those um, one of those most expensive cities to live in, which – Again, you know, I, you and me probably don't know enough in terms of what's driving that, but we all know that um, I guess the the type of demographics that would live in Canberra usually public servants on a good salary, so you mm-hmm. know they they able to afford to borrow more, um, and there's probably more people moving to Canberra. I know a few of my clients actually has moved to Canberra, and now mm-hmm. they're struggling to actually find a a home because they saw how extraordinary that pickup has been. Um, and also, you know, a lot of my clients were also looking at the house and land packages and they were also amazed at how expensive they were now in comparison to 12 months ago. I think it's just a demand thing, basically. Mm. Um, the demand, you know, there's a lot of people moving to Canberra because of public service jobs, public service sectors have got that need for employment. Um, but yeah, how long can it still go like this? I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's very difficult to tell. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Melbourne, I, I, I agree with you as well. I think Melbourne now looks like it's affordable, to be honest, in comparison mm. to, you know, even, even in comparison to Canberra. Now, the median value in Melbourne is $805,000. Now, the borders have just opened. So let's see. Let's see what the, what the impact of that is in the next six months, uh, six to 12 months. Uh, but uh, do you reckon Melbourne's going to overtake 
uh, the, the the Sydney's and the Brisbane's going to be the next runner. <laughs> uh, look, I think there's d- definitely some growth in in the basement somewhere in Melbourne. I think, look, it's a very lo- it's a lovely city. They're all lovely cities, actually. I yeah, mean, yeah. Australia's very lucky to have s- such you know a good living standard. But Melbourne's great. Melbourne looks cheap, and it's great. It's a great city. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move on to talk a bit about clearance rates because that probably yep. gives us a bit of our indicators on how the heat of the market at the moment and hopefully give us a bit of forward indicator about what's going to happen. Um, do you want to run through the auction clearance rates for us last uh, last weekend, John? Yeah, sure. So last week, um, the clearance rates in Sydney were about 74%. Um, in Melbourne, they were about 73%. Um, Brisbane, 67%. Adelaide, 79%. So that's a big number. Mm. Uh, and Canberra, 77%. Um, so generally speaking, you know, when we're talking about clearance rates, and this is not this is not science, it's just a rule of thumb. But whenever we're talking about clearance rates over 70%, generally speaking, that correlates to higher prices. So 70% is neutral and Sydney's at 74%. So it's neutral to slightly favourable in Sydney as a leading indicator. So maybe the core logic data ticks up a bit in April. Maybe it doesn't. Um, one of the interesting things is th- there's the auction numbers are quite high. Um, they're, they're not record-breaking, but uh, Sydney did 950 auctions over the weekend. Uh, and it was actually the first weekend that it was sort of normalised after the flooding a couple of weeks ago because a lot of properties got taken off the market and were withdrawn and it made it look like the clearance rates were low, but they were just withdrawn properties while they replaced the carpet and stuff like that. Um, so 950 auctions is quite a lot and to get 74% clearance is pretty good. Melbourne um, Melbourne did nearly 1,400 auctions. Now, Melbourne's the home of the auction, um, but at 73%, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, um, and there's a lot of volume. And actually, these are the last weekends before we go into winter. So uh, these are traditionally sort of higher volume months, and the clearance rates are holding up. Uh, Brisbane, Adelaide, Canberra, they're not so synonymous with with auctions. You know, that, that there are other ways to buy properties in those, those cities. But, um, you know, so with Brisbane as, at 67%, it doesn't look like a great number, but we know that Brisbane's doing really well, so... Uh, it's just less of a correlation. Uh, very interesting. Now, look, all of those clearance rates are down off the prior year. In almost all the markets, uh, the clearance rates were in the 80s. Uh, Sydney was 90.4% this time last year. So this was peak frenzy uh, this time last last year, or maybe April was peak frenzy. We've just got a normal market now. It's a normal market. More balanced, I would yeah. say, isn't it? Yeah. Much more balanced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's 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 in uh, that's in line with what uh, what, what we what we're seeing on the ground as well. You know, uh, auction twelve months ago might have been a lot of people try to fight it out. There were multiple parties going very strong in terms of bidding. Now that uh, the the sentiment has changed from fear of missing out to fear of overpaying. Apparently, <laughs> so you know, people people would not yeah buyers would be very cautious in terms of um you know uh, how much should I be paying? And a lot of them are getting sold before auction as well so yeah that's that's certainly a change and a shift in terms of the sentiments uh, that we're mm. seeing on the ground so but it's good i think that gives that gives the buyers a lot more opportunity to be able to get a property in the current market in comparison to 12 months ago um yeah so 
No, thank you. That's a good that's a good uh, summary of the auction clearance market. Um, shall we talk about supply of stocks? Yeah, let, let's talk quickly about that. So sure. the um, so the overall supply is down. So the annual change in advertised supply is down twelve percent. So there are twelve percent fewer properties being advertised. However, that's in three markets. That's because Brisbane it has twenty four percent fewer advertised listings. Hmm. Adelaide has 20% fewer advertised listings and Perth has 10% fewer advertised listings. So uh, what we were saying before, we should start to see Perth really pop. Um, now, the advertised listings in Sydney and Melbourne are both up about between 5 and 7%. So th- those markets are growing. And there's actually a lot of supply coming on in Darwin. We, don't, we never talk about Darwin, but there's more supply coming on in Darwin, 18% more, yeah. and Canberra, 5% more. So um, uh, so Brisbane is really swaying this data where uh, the national averages, but you can see there's a little bit more supply in Sydney and Melbourne. There's a lot less supply in Brisbane and Adelaide and everything else is kind of flat. Again, coming back to regionals versus um, c- cities, the combined cities, there's about 4% less supply, but the combined regionals, there's about 22% less supply. Mm-hmm. It's hard to bring... And that's why the prices are going up in the regionals. It's hard to bring supply online in the regionals just because of access to supply chains. Um, whereas in the city, you know, you can put a high-rise apartment uh, block in and you can you can solve supply shortages a lot more quickly. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely, isn't it? Just because of the location, the remote location, and it takes time, it takes longer, yeah. Um, Sometimes, More yeah. labours, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay, so yeah, so Sydney and Melbourne kind of, you know, having having the trend, which cor- correlates to the auction clearance rate that we're seeing essentially. Um, and also, you know, Brisbane and um, Adelaide is the one that's currently struggling <laughs> in terms of not yeah. enough properties for people to buy. That's mm. why they continue to drive the prices up, right? Uh, yeah, simple, yeah. Simple demand and supply equation there. Um, vacancy rates. Shall we talk about the rental vacancy rates and the, and the rent and listings there? Let's do it. Yeah. So, so supply for rentals is really tight in Australia. They talk about a rental crisis. I think we like to put the word crisis after every issue these days. I don't think it's a crisis in uh, crisis everywhere. But um, if if I go through uh, the the vacancy rates in the key the key markets, vacancy rate in Sydney is two percent. That's quite low, but it's not record breaking low. Um, within that, there's a real shortage of houses, but the but the uh, units are two point four percent vacancy. Uh, Melbourne has a vacancy rate of 2.5%. And again, it's quite low for houses, but it's much higher for units. Um, Brisbane and Adelaide, Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth is where it's really tight. So it's really tight. So the the, the vacancy rate in Brisbane is only 1%. So it's really hard to find a rental up there. And and for houses, it's 0.7%, which means there's nothing available <laughs> if you want to rent a house. Yeah. Um, Adelaide, it's the same. Adelaide is even more acute. So the, the overall vacancy rate in Adelaide is 0.5%, half a percent. Um, and for houses, it's 0.4%. So good luck finding a rental in Adelaide. Um, so they, have, they, they must have real supply issues there. Um, the, the other markets are about 1%, Canberra, Hobart, Darwin, um, and Perth are about about one percent as well. So there's a real there's a real shortage, particularly of uh, of houses. Um, if you look at where the rents are going, 
Um, this is a little bit more interesting because rents are actually, rents are going up fastest in Brisbane, but they're actually going up second fastest in Sydney. Mm. So when you, if you're a Sydney investor and, you, and you're, you're not getting any more capital growth at the moment, the last quarter was flat, your, your rents are growing in Sydney fairly, fairly quickly. So, you, you know, as investors, we need to look at all, all the areas of return and Sydney market's doing fine. In terms, so the annual increase in house rents is 15.4%. Uh, Brisbane is 12%. So the, the, the rents are going up very quickly. And I think that's, uh, yeah, you know, like for me personally as well, one of my, uh, my my units in Granville, essentially, you know, tenants decided to leave. And previously when I when I was struggling to find a tenant during COVID period, I had to basically get the rent down to about $350 a week. And now the property manager is telling me we can probably bump it up to about 420 430 a week. Mm. So that's really good, right? Like, and, and historically, I think this property has been renting around the $400. So we're kind of bringing more to the normal, but... That shows once you bring once you open the borders, there's going to be more immigration coming in, and now they're starting to soak up the uh, the available rental stocks around, even around the Parramatta area, which we all know there's heaps of supply of units there. So glad to see even that side of town is uh, is starting to pick up in terms of the rental income. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a good, great story, that, yeah. and that's a big percentage too. But it it, it sounds like it was V shaped. It sounds like because I had this experience too. We had to drop the rent in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty, yeah. and they're going up quite quickly now. Yeah, correct. It's kind of back to normal. Um, and mind you, I think the the vacancy rate that we talk about on um two point five percent is the balance in general, right? And we're talking about markets that's got you know Brisbane point seven percent for houses, point four percent for Adelaide for houses. So it's very, very short of stocks here. That's all we're saying. So yeah, look, uh, keep, a, keep an eye out on the rentals. I think uh, investors are going to welcome this change as their mm-hmm. rental income continues to increase. Um, and then we'll see what happens. And once, once the, the higher rents uh, get embedded into the, the prices and then yep. we, we, you know, in the second half of the year, we start re- recalculating yields. Yep. It doesn't, you know, you're not saying, oh, you know, you can buy this property and get 2.1%. You can buy this property and get 3% yield. Okay. Now I'm, I'm ready to invest again. Yep. So it'll take time to flow into the market, but it will affect the perception that investors have and the readiness that they have to, to start getting active again. Yeah, and that's typically the cycle, right? Like the the the, the, yeah. the price capital growth goes up, and then the rental eventually catches up until the point where the yield starts to make sense again, and that's where investors jump in right again. So, yeah. And do we notice? And this is something else we said on this podcast. You notice that the the market flattened out the minute the yield on on the average house equaled the interest rate you were getting. So mm. pe- people were getting say two point two two point three percent yield, and prices stopped going up after that because there's no point in investing below the rate of interest that you're paying. Um, once the yields go back up to 3%, then you can, st- you know, you can start to see prices go up again after that. Yeah. So it, it does all make sense. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, all right. So I'm mindful of the time, John. I think that's a very good quick wrap in terms of that. Um, we're just going to uh, basically finish this episode with a bit of update on the, um, on the latest federal budget in terms of its housing. Um, so I think in general, it's a lot more just the budget is more towards helping people uh, in terms of their, you know, petrol prices and that kind of stuff. And, and also, you know, floods, uh, that kind of things. 
but on the housing front, uh, I guess the biggest piece of news there is they are expanding um, the home guarantee scheme, which is essentially the 5% deposit scheme for first home buyers. Uh, and they're upping that from about 10,000 spots previously to altogether 60,000 spots now. So that's like six times of what they originally had this year. Um, out of that 60,000, 35,000 is basically allocated to the first home guarantee. So those people who haven't owned a house before, now wanting to own a house and they want to pay with just 5% deposit, um, the, the, the number of spots has now increased from 10,000 to 35,000, Okay. The next one up is the family home guarantee, which is uh, allocated for um, single. I think that was like that's like the single parent, single parent type of support. So if you're a single mom, mom and dad that's got two kids with you, wanted to purchase your first home, again, government will be able to support you with five percent deposit, um, and then you know as long as you can show the borrowing capacity, that you can actually get into the first home. So that's now ten thousand places. Um, okay, from July twenty two to thirty of June twenty twenty five. And then the new one is actually the regional home guarantee, which will offer 10,000 places each year from now to 2025 to home buyers, including non-first home buyers, NPRs. Okay, so previously we're talking about the last two that we spoke about, you need to be a citizen in order to qualify. But now for the regional home guarantee, it includes someone who is not a first home buyer. So in other words, if you want to upgrade your home to regionals and if you're a permanent resident, not a citizen, then you can actually buy something uh, in regional areas with, I think, as little as 5% deposit as well. So I think that shows government's incentive to drive more people into regional areas now uh, as, an, as an incentive and try to get most more people out of capital cities and more people into the regional areas. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, any, any comments on that, John? Not really. I think that was no, great. No. Um, you know, we were chatting briefly before the... Uh, before the podcast that, you know, deficits don't matter. And I think that's a global <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. This decade is going to be the de decade of deficits. And, uh, of deficits. and I think this, uh, it, look, it was a, it was an election year budget as well, because they'll be announcing the election any, any day now, really, won't they? I mean, it has mm. to be May and probably the 14th. I reckon it'll be May. So yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Well, all right. Well, mindful of time, I just want to make it a short and sharp episode here. Um, so look, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, again, this is just general advice. Uh, if you're after, you know, none of this is financial advice. If you are looking to make investments, please speak to professionals uh, so they can give you specific advice about tailored to your circumstances. Uh, but other than that, um, I guess, you know, Jazz will be back next week and um, we will see you guys again in next week's Friday wrap. Stay safe and have a good week. <laughs>